Stories, fables, ghostly tales. Welcome, listeners, to a creepy research episode. And for those of you who haven't looked at the episode title, can you guess what it is? You hear a knock at your door, a shuffling at your doorstep, and lean in to listen carefully. Nothing, you think to yourself. It was foolish of you to believe you heard something other than the trees, leaves, or traffic from outside. But wait. Excuse me, can we come in? Your heart races. You don't answer. Or do you? You hear them walk away. And yet you can't explain why you're so scared. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Today's topic is black-eyed kids. In this episode, I'm going to cover a couple of key points and, as usual, something different that you might not have heard regarding the black-eyed kids. And in all my research, well, it certainly surprised me as a thought of what these things could actually be. With a bit of skepticism thrown in as well, <laughs> I'm going to do my best to cover off the basics regarding black-eyed kids and a little bit of extra detail. I'll be glossing over the mainstream content and try to give you a clean definition and set of attributes about black-eyed kids that you can take away with you. Explaining what they look like and how to spot them, how they secure their victims, the rules that black-eyed kids follow, how to protect yourself from black-eyed kids, and a possible explanation around their existence. So let's dig in. Firstly, let's get our terms right. Black-eyed kids, black-eyed children, both referred to as BECKs, B-E-K apostrophe S, with black-eyed beings used as another reference. So you know that we know what we're talking about whenever we discuss BECKs. Now let's talk about what black-eyed kids look like. Well, they appear to range between 5 to 16 years of age, ranging from tiny children to adults, with a common and rising trend of each story to have them wearing varying differences in clothing. So what do I mean by this? I mean to say that some people have had children approach them with strikingly odd attire, with clothing that ranges from the 1800s to present, or pauper's clothing, tattered clothes, full suits for children, and in some cases, clothing that comes from a bygone era. It reminds me what a ghost would wear when it relives its memories. The most recent sightings often recall Becks wearing dark clothing, hoodies, and generally clothes that help them blend into the dark of night. When I mean look, I also mean body language as well. There have been some really unique cases that stipulate how they looked and behaved through many, many hours of listening to Beck stories and a bit of research online. There seems to be four common behaviours that Becks share. Aggressive and on edge with their requests intending to be met quickly, as if they are nervous or at times impatient. These can be deadly Becks because Essentially, they force their victim to make decisions quickly and sharply. There are also coy and reserved becks when it comes to the requests that they make to their victims, often leading to the victim pitying the beck, wanting to go out and help them, 
bring them in from the cold. They can also be extremely shy. These are often really only seen in very young becks, with accounts explaining that these types of kids pair up with an older beck that shows them the path to secure their victim. And lastly, the most dangerous and, to some extent, more uncommon, is the manipulative beck. Words of charisma. The silver tongue. But in this case, words of power. In some cases, their goal can sometimes lead to their victim leaving safety, rather than trying to enter a space with that victim. These becks are unique, in that they have a strong ability of persuasion, more so than the other beck types, and the stories are rare and far between as to what happens when the victim leaves the area of safety, like their house. So what does all this mean? Well, it means that if you see a small child wearing fancy clothing at night, do not yell Beck while screaming down the street, like a scene out of Vampire's Kiss. God, that film is hilarious. It has Nicolas Cage in it. Need I say more? What this information gives you is a litmus test in identifying them and ensuring that you're safe. Safe in the sense that you know what danger it brings and how quickly you need to respond to that danger. Now that we know what they look like, and their behaviours, we need to find out how Becks secure their victims. And, um, that's weird. Who is it? Would you let us in? We just want to use the bathroom. Um, kid, no, I'm sorry. I'm in the middle of an episode. Goodness. Using the bathroom at this hour? Anyway, the first Beck story ever originated in Texas in 1996. So a big shout out to Texas, y'all. Whilst the second Beck story came from Portland, Oregon shortly after. Let's discuss the first story. I'll do this by paraphrasing a lot of the content. That way you get an idea of what's going on without having to listen to a long story. A journalist waits in his car late at night, writing a check to pay off his internet bill. I think that's when the real horror starts in this story, really. When he hears a knocking at his window. This is how it starts, and often, how all Becks begin. The initial request for entry. In this particular case, we have two young Becks approach him. One shy, dressed in very fine clothing and attire, almost as if it was made for them. And another one, a teenager, more confident in stance, wearing a hoodie and black pants. The teenager knocks on the car window and asks for a ride home. The only kicker here is that the journalist was wary and actually, for some reason, on edge. These children were causing some kind of anxiety, as if his own body was reading something that his mind couldn't put its finger on. Doubling his suspicion here is that these children asked for a ride home to retrieve money to pay for a film at the local cinema. Now, the journalist knew something that the kids didn't. He knew that the film they wanted to see was the last showing for that evening, and already half done, making it clear that these kids had ulterior motives. But it didn't end there. During this same encounter, he was asked to let them in, and felt persuaded to, his hand reaching for the car door, until one line broke him out 
of his trance. The older Beck said this, We can't come in unless you tell us it's okay. And it was then that he noticed the eyes and bolted. Rightly so, too. Becks, you see, need permission to harm you. Yes, permission. They need an agreement for their presence to meet yours. You and you alone possess a natural defense barrier in one shape or form that we just can't see. Well, most people can't see. Perhaps these are the auras that other people out there talk about when they see someone. Could these be the barriers that keep creatures like Bex away from us? But that's for another episode. Returning to Bex. The only way for them to reach you is if you allow it. Through action or agreement, it's all on you. And I will touch on that in a bit, but regarding what we saw here in the very first encounter with Bex is that there are a range of details. The account discusses a submissive younger Beck and an older manipulative Beck variant. So we can already use what we now know to identify what our first Beck account documents. Two different types of Becks, one younger and shy, one older and the manipulative type. Two threats, one higher than the other. The journalist did the right thing in getting the hell out of there. In some cases, a simple denial is all it takes, but I feel for this one, he made the right choice. As the manipulative Beck could have coerced him into opening that door, and he nearly did. The goal here, and for all Becks, are to obtain permission, and in this case, the journalist's car, and in other more common cases, people's homes. And this isn't just face value here, folks. It's not just entrance to your house so they can take a demonic dump. They are seeking to be let in, and when you do, well, not much is known. I know, a little anticlimactic. But it's true. There aren't many accounts of what happens after the Becks enter your house, but I'll endeavor to shed some light. But letting them in isn't just limited to houses. They can try to gain entry into cars, as we just heard, bathrooms, basements, and even campsites. Practically any place where there is a barrier of ownership to reach you. Once they reach that barrier, they seek approval in order to create a deal, a bond between you and it, the Beck, an entity of darkness. Once they obtain access to your space, let's use a house as an example, there are mixed and blurry accounts with detail tending to slip away from those who have let them in. In most cases, the authors black out, can't remember, are seemingly cursed, or in some strange cases they enter, say nothing, and stare at them till they eventually leave. The worst case I've read is when someone's been haunted by these things, where they've entered their dreams and perpetually tried to gain access to their home. So they haven't even entered the house yet, they've just probed the victim's minds to allow them in. Or at least try to. I guess the reason why these accounts exist in the way they do is that those that have terrible encounters don't ever reach a story level where it can be shared, or in a form that it can be shared. And perhaps some cases are just too traumatic. I've done a lot of hunting online, and most of the stories that describe the outcome of inviting a Beck into your home stem from creepypastas instead of actual accounts. But remember, 
they cannot enter or harm you unless you allow it. You hold power over them. To an extent. <laughs> There's always a catch with these sort of things, right? As mentioned though, there are Bex that can manipulate and charm people, akin to that of a siren song. You must keep your wits about you. Just like our first story, when the journalist was about to open the door whilst the Bex were talking to him, keep track of what you're doing whenever you're in dialogue with them, because you may not even realize you're opening that door before it's too late. Now let's look at protecting yourself from black-eyed kids. The simple answer is, don't interact with them. I know, it seems simple, but it's incredibly tough to do, especially those that have the power to manipulate. People have often had to fight with their emotions when hearing the voice of the Beck for the first time, explaining that they feel the need to open the door, let them in and look after them. Others have expressed a deep and primal fear that causes severe anxiety in which their blood and body appear to freeze up. There's no tool that I know of that can stop Bex. There's no salt circle that you can use to prohibit them entering, other than drawing one every night on your porch, which is incredibly impractical. But I guess a possibility if you were that worried. Prevention here is the key. If you hear kids knocking on your door late at night, proceed with caution. And if you start a dialogue, try and trip them up. Try and see if you can work around their suggestions. Make statements that would perhaps bring out a false answer from them. For example, it's nighttime. And I've read accounts where at night they've asked about how sunny it is out now. Of course, it's the polar opposite. And that's one possible way you could catch them out. But they will still answer to agree with you. And lastly, identify if you can based on their behavior and age. Which kind of Beck it is that you're talking to. This will help you gauge what steps you need to take first. For all you know, it could genuinely be someone in need of help. But ignoring them the best you can is the best approach. It actually reminds me of the old Halloween Simpsons special. I'm sure one of you out there will know what I'm talking about, where they sing a song with the lyrics, Just Don't Look. The monsters feed off the fear of the people, and as the people begin to ignore them, the monsters' powers diminish and die. I feel that these becks operate in a similar way, leeching off the fear of those that know they exist. The more fear that you bring to them, the stronger and more confident they get, and the more brazen. So we know what they look like and how to spot them. We know how they secure their victims. We also know the rules that black-eyed kids follow. And to some extent, the simple yet most effective way to protect ourselves from the black-eyed kids. Lastly, we're going to have a look at what they are. Or at least, the origins and beliefs of what they are. The concept of Bex and the ideas around them are often divided into multiple categories. First being vampires, on the grounds that they can't enter unless invited. That's a pretty strong point for vampires. Because there aren't many creatures that I know of, except for vampires, that can't enter a premise unless told to. Not to mention, vampires are bound by the rules of old, which these becks seemingly adhere to, adding to the fact that they normally come out at night. 
I'm leaning towards perhaps a level of vampirism. People also think they are demons because they require a pact or a decision to be made to allow them to serve or impact your life. And of course, the black eyes and their ability to disappear in the blink of an eye. And in some cases, their complete emotionless voices mixed with inhuman reactions. Could they be demons that are possessing the bodies of children? A morbid thought. They are also thought of as ghosts, wandering spirits who seek solace in the kindness of a stranger, being neither good or evil, simply lost. Which accounts for the cases where, upon entering the house in some accounts, they simply disappear, or they're there one second and gone the next. Could these be spirits seeking out another for help, or some guidance? It may even explain the black eyes. Spirits who have been consumed by darkness and are lost forever. And an alternative option is that Becks are sometimes considered to be aliens. A cross-hybrid of human and alien greys that are visiting the Earth, returning temporarily to investigate and research humankind. It accounts for the eyes and perhaps for the telepathy that the black-eyed kids seem to possess in some accounts. And lastly, this one you might not have heard, and of course I say the best till last, children and teenagers affected by the chemical atropine. Firstly, what is atropine? I'm going to give you the textbook medical description. Molar mass 289, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'll give you the actual definition. Atropine is a medication to treat certain types of nerve agent and pesticide poisonings, as well as slowing heart rates and to decrease saliva production during surgery. It is typically given intravenously or by injection into a muscle. So I'm not a doctor, but I'm guessing that it's to do with isolating the muscle so they can perform surgery on it. If any one of you out there knows what it's used for in that sort of scene, please let me know. Now let's take one more step deeper into how atropine plays a part in the creation of black-eyed kids or at least the idea of black-eyed kids. So how does atropine, the chemical, get into the hands of these teenagers and kids in the first place? One explanation is that children are hopped up on atropine and Red Bull cocktails, they call them cherry bombs, normally found in recreational events, nightclubs, parties, you name it. The chemical reaction of atropine and Red Bull in your system causes the pupils in their eyes to dilate, to a great extent. Now, it doesn't make your eyes go black, but with low light or a low light environment, it's not hard to believe that someone could mistake a teenager or a child who have consumed cherry bombs to appear as having pitch black eyes. Alongside having dilated pupils, it's also a laxative and can significantly affect mood and mental clarity. The other critical side effect is the need, and I'm talking about the need, to go to the bathroom. Everyone knows exactly what it feels like when you really gotta go. And atropine is a chemically influenced gotta go moment. Which does lead to answer as to why Bex always ask to be let in. So maybe they do need to take a huge demonic dump. Or take a massive drink. Either one. 
There are other side effects of atropine, in that it can cause palpitations, difficulty swallowing, hot, dry skin, extreme thirst, dizziness, restlessness, tremor, fatigue, and problems with coordination. It doesn't explain how these becks seemingly disappear, but it does make you wonder that could these becks, what we thought were demonic children, dark entities, monsters, cryptids of some type, are actually kids and teenagers under the effects of drugs, specifically atropine, or otherwise known in the recreational environment, cherry bombs. But it doesn't account for everything, so it doesn't account for how black-eyed kids disappear in the blink of an eye, doesn't account for the eyes completely being black, and doesn't account for their persuasive nature. But it does answer some unique aspects of what makes black-eyed kids function the way they do. So food for thought around this one. So this has been a crash course for beginners around black-eyed kids. And just like the rest of my creepy research, if you want me to do a deep dive, let me know. In the future, I'll be doing a deep dive on the Fae and ghosts. If you have any more requests, please let me know. And where do you sit in this opinion towards black-eyed kids? Do you believe they exist? Have you seen them before? Do you know of ways to protect yourself from them? And have I missed anything here? I love my creepy research and if you know that I've made a mistake or I've missed something critical, leave it in the comments or email me directly at storiesfablesghostlytales at gmail.com. I hope you enjoyed this episode and if so, there will be more on the way. Thank you so much for listening. And I've added all the research links that I use to find out more about the Becks in the episode show notes. And I've listened to a lot of Beck stories online. But in the episode notes is a summary of key website links that I used to aid in my research. And hopefully there's something in there for you. And I think I've left those kids outside long enough. <laughs> I mean, they only need the bathroom. Oh, and as always... Till next time. Yeah, yeah, I'm coming.